0: Oh. What time is it? Who woke me up? Hello everyone. This is your host Fast Big Dog and I am checking in on the second installment of the Rising Knoll supported content. We are very very fortunate to have a podcast supporter uh and even more fortunate to have not only uh good friends of mine, but I think unequivocally the best ski brand. And I feel like I can say that without any bias whatsoever. Um, So hopefully everyone had a chance to catch our first episode with Rossignol. Uh, I have with me today, uh, as I did last time, uh, Julian Robert, who is the worldwide director for research and development for cross country, and Jeff Corder, who is the technical product manager for cross country for Rossignol worldwide. So today we are checking in on what I've discovered in the last month, maybe uh, everyone's favorite topic, or is at least a close second behind new skis, and that is structure and grinds. So if you didn't get a chance to check out the last episode, you should definitely do so, because Rozzy has a super sick sounding new ski coming out, the SX, kind of slots in there around the S2. And uh, in that podcast, I referenced um, the podcast I did was Zach Caldwell, uh, which you should also check out if you haven't had a chance to do so, in which Zach goes into great and really very, very um, exquisite detail on how to, um, how to beef up your fleet. Not to go, You don't need 10 pairs of skis, but how to have a couple, two, three skaters, maybe the same on Classic, that are going to run well in lots of conditions, whether you're racing, whether you're training, just going out and having fun which at the end of the day, that's this is supposed to be fun. And sometimes it's easy to lose sight of that. But I'll tell you what isn't fun, and that's being on slow, shitty skis. So step one, get good skis. So get yourself a pair of Rossies. Step two is get the right skis. Step three is have the right grind. And so uh, for those of you who've been following the podcast, we did a whole question and answer series, and we got question after question about structure and grind. So this is really, really cool. Zach did a good job talking about, um, gr- you know, Zach grinds skis for a living. So he talked about aftermarket grinds. But a lot of people don't necessarily understand how much thought and effort goes into factory grinds. So we're going to have uh, Julian and Jeff comment here on uh, the Rossignol um, factory grinds and as well as how these are potentially good complements to hand structure. So I'm going to turn it over to the experts. So I don't know if you guys want to go through ski by ski and talk about what you put on uh, ones, what you want, to, what you put on twos, threes, and x's, or if you want to first maybe first start with just sort of a philosophical. This is your uh, overall. This is the Rosinol approach to what um, what the factory grinds are. And then maybe you could quickly drill down and just give us a minute or two on what you put on each ski and why and how that would maybe uh, fit in with someone who's, um, you know, racing and maybe wants to start to put in structure as well. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: You want to go first or want me to go first? Mm-hmm. How do you want? Okay. Okay. Uh, so, so really, you know, our kind of philosophy, as you say about grinds is, you know, we try to find grinds really on our production skis that are going to work the best across the widest range of possible conditions that you're going to find. Uh, so, you know, basically we look for something that is going to be a true universal grind, no matter where you happen to live in the world. Uh, while we are making skis for people, you know, whether you're in France or whether you're in New England or Washington or Colorado or somewhere in the Yukon, uh, it doesn't matter. We all have to uh, worry about the same things with skis. And so that's why we try to find something that's going to work in the broadest range of conditions. Um, Where we tend to specialize is when we get to the top end of our range uh, in our premium plus um, skate and classic skis. Um, so in the, in the skate side and the, and the classic side, we have a, you know, an S1, S2, S3 with the new SX, uh, skate ski coming next year that kind of falls in between the S2 and the S3. Um, and then on the classic side, we have the C1, C2, and C3. So from the one is hard wax, two is universal, three is a klister ski. Uh, and then same on the skate side, the S1 is a, you know, a cold, hard, firm ski, um, uh, or colder ski really uh s2 is universal and s3 is warm and wet and so with that you know we've uh over the last uh how many years did it take to develop the current yeah, the current grinds. The last two years yeah time. so over the last two years we've been developing new grinds um and so on a lot of our uh our world cup skis and working with the world cup athletes we we develop specific grinds um, that, you know, that tend to work really well for them across a broad range of conditions. Um, and we've implemented those World Cup grinds directly into um, into our Spanish uh, race ski factory. So,
0: Okay. So tell us specifically, again, this is, you know, I, I, one of the things that has worked well for us is we try and um, give good general information for people who are going to, again, training or racing a little bit more recreationally. They they don't want to spend hours and hours thinking about this, worrying about this, want to go out, have fun, hop on a good pair of skis. So um, from that listener all the way up to the master blaster, who's got six sets of skis that they're prepping before Wednesday night worlds. And we're not judging here. You know, there's nothing wrong with either one of those scenarios. But I think uh, it's helpful to have information kind of along that whole continuum of interest level, involvement, engagement level, let's call it. So uh, that all makes a lot of sense, and I've certainly had good luck with the factory grinds. Why don't you give us a little bit more detail and walk through each model? So tell us specifically uh, what grind are you putting on uh, 1s, 2s, and 3s, and are they the same? Is the cold grind on the S1 the same as the cold grind on the C1? And if not, why not? So take us through the whole suite, um, the whole product suite with name check, specifically the grind and why you think it runs well. And then let's do that first. Then I got a follow-up question just because I got to talk about structure too. So let's hit, let's really nerd out for a second on the grinds because I, uh, the main reason I'm doing this is I literally had 77 questions in my inbox. Now that that was skis and structure. People love hearing about grinds and structure. So tell us what you got, what's running on those on those bad boys right now.
2: So, yeah, let's start with uh, S1 skis, skating skis, so uh, colder one. Uh, name of the grind is FF3. Um, so it's made for uh, fresh and really cold snow, let's say uh from minus, uh, minus three, minus five to minus 30. Um, and depending on the, the really important thing in the, on the cold grind, uh, is the rugosity. Uh, so we have to, to get really, uh, low rugosity level, um, of this, um, cold grind. And, um, so this is for the S1 skating skis. Um, mm-hmm. really, uh, as soon as you, to get some humidity in the snow uh then you need to switch on the and the s2 skis
0: i'm, I'm sorry you're saying as as you start uh, to get, s2. i'm sorry let me ask a quick question humidity. you, you humidity. broke up hum, okay okay thank you all right yes. so low humidity super yeah. cold definitely yeah. s1 and you said it's the ff3 that's the grind okay yeah exactly oh okay um, so go ahead sorry to cut you off
2: yeah so when you go to uh, then the S two and S six, uh, they have the same grind, which is RU fifteen, so universal uh, for universal universal snow. So let's say from minus two, as soon as uh, there is some humidity uh, in the snow uh, until uh, beginning of transformed snow and even uh, the artificial snow, it works pretty pretty good. So for example, uh, for the next World Champs in November. Uh, I think we have really good grind for these conditions. Um, and we use the same grind for the C1 uh, Classic Ski, because usually uh, in the rail, there is um, always more humidity uh, due to people uh, going in the same rail. Um, the tracks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they all get it. So that's... <laughs> That, that's super interesting. So even though it's a C1, you you run the U15, you run the universal grind because the tracks tend to hold more water, more humidity than you Yeah, the U15 uh,
1: yeah, s- definitely runs a little bit better when there's some humidity in the snow. And just by nature of classic tracks how they are, um, with as many people going over the same tracks, you know, over and over and over, uh, there tends sure. to naturally be a bit more humidity in a track. If you're ever out skating and you look in the tracks – a lot of times they are they can be a little glazy because a lot of people are just hauling through there and constantly going over the same thing. So it brings moisture um, up to the surface. Right,
0: then how about uh, the uh, and... SX,
1: go ahead. Uh, the SX has also has the, the RU15 as well. So the, the same universal grind uh, that the S2 does.
0: Okay, and how about those cool, by the way, I was out testing the, uh, the S3s the other day and uh, it was funny. Someone ratted me out. There's a loop where you can ski with the dog, and so I was out getting ready for the Vasa. So I was cranking out the, the, this three-hour double pull, and there was like a little like lollipop loop, and I was switching skis at the top of every loop. And uh, the the boys back at HQ got word, and everyone was like. I heard FBD was out switching skis for three hours. Is that true? And I'm like, hey, you got to get to know your fleet. So I was out on, you know, A being uh, twos and threes for a couple hours. And it was like, you know what a nerd I am. It was I'm like, I can do this all day. It was awesome. So super, the new red base S3s are awesome, by the way. And it was pretty cool. It was like the perfect day for testing because, oh, by the way, when Julian gave uh, those temperatures for the, uh, S ones he was I think he said negative three to negative thirty he was talking Celsius so for you know yeah. Americans um, I was and it was like that perfect inflection point you know it was like again we'll, we'll stick with Celsius so it was like minus one or something when I went out and was going up to like it got up to maybe like plus three or something and it was super sunny yeah. and it was a nice gradual yeah. shift so by doing small laps each lap was like half a k and switching out you really got this and I you know you you can correlate heart rate and speed and lap time. And so you can really see, you know, what's running and when, you know, when the threes start to pick up over the twos. So I feel like those new red base threes are really, really running nice. So I'm, I'm really curious what you have on those. And is it the same grind as you do on the, uh, the cluster skis, my C threes?
2: Yeah. Uh, no, of course it's a different grind than the S two and six, uh, grind is called R W 69. Uh, don't ask me why. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, here we go, of course, on the wet and transformed snow. Um, and the rigidity, of course, it's uh, much more higher than the RU15 and the FF3, uh, to be able to, um, let's say move the water, yeah. uh, from the base, uh, very quickly. And, um, for the C3, uh, we have the same uh, s- same grain as well, RUW 69 uh, um, What else I can say? Uh, yeah, the, the new red base, I think, of course, it, it works uh, in a more wider range than before. So you can start using it as soon as uh, the snow is uh, starting to get uh, transformed and, and wet. And so that's pretty
1: cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it works really, really well uh, on man-made snow as well.
0: Okay. Now, I I know uh, Julian. In talking to Jeff before, he was telling me that uh, it seems like the factory grinds are a little bit more universal, maybe than they have been in years past. But he was telling me, uh, I, I can't actually. I can't remember if it was Pengley or uh, Jeff, but um, they're very well suited to be able to press in hand structured. So can you talk about, you know, I, I know you guys have put a lot of time on the World Cup testing the different grinds. Um, how often do you think people need to press in structure? And if you do, like, what indications, when, when would you start thinking about uh, pressing in hand structure on uh, all those different uh, configurations, this case?
2: Yeah, um, let's say to be honest, when we are at the World Cup and even uh, when we are developing grind for uh, World Cup athletes, and uh, we have to be cautious uh, to apply and, and structure because uh, every uh, countries apply hand structures for the World Cup races every time every races, and just a small uh, small story for, from the French team. Uh, one time for one race, they apply seven different structures uh, on the ski before the race. So sometimes oh it's
1: kind of magic. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's hocus pocus.
0: <laughs> How on earth do you test seven different structures?
2: Yeah, uh, Honestly, I don't know. It wasn't my part. where they still
1: running? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah okay. They race. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. So it must work. All right. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Well, you know, with
1: with 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 the the focus going away from wax and and especially like some of the high floral stuff, especially for, you know, the average skier or athlete out there, uh, hand structure, ski structure, grinds uh, profile of the ski itself. Uh, is becoming more and more and more important, for sure. And so this is something that I think they're beginning to implement, obviously, a lot more uh, across the board, you know, yep. from for a lot of the, the top level athletes as well. So.
0: All right. So let, let me give you, we've, we've kind of, you know, talked a little bit about how, you know, we try and cover everything soup to nuts, you know, someone who's going to uh, grab a pair of skis out of the garage and go out. You know, for an hour. You know, at lunch or after work with a dog. All the way up to people who are racing. You know, at a very high level. You know, uh, junior nationals, junior worlds. You know, I know there's some World Cup skiers who listen to this. I don't want to name check them because they're too embarrassed, but th- they know that uh, this is a valuable source of information. So, um, I was skiing with a masters group yesterday, and it was a warm day. We were doing the lunch ski. And, um, the topic of hand structure came up, and everyone was like, "Oh you know f b d Josh would you guys press in structure? What would you do?" And so, I was surprised at the interest level of you know, I don't want to say the casual skier, but maybe certainly not people who are like over the top crazy, so I'd love to hear your recommendations um." Let's let's take this uh, let's take this use case. You know, you're you're an attorney in Minneapolis or Steamboat or um, Valois, and you're gonna you know head out at lunch. You got an hour, maybe hour fifteen minutes. It's a warm day. You know, it's like plus one, plus two. You know, you got a nice pair of twos or maybe threes in the car. Would you press in structure like at, at what? How much? It's relatively low effort. But how much of a return do you get on your investment, Like on, especially like on a warm day or, uh, you know, it's kind of soft? Would you bother with it even on a training day, given the universal nature of some of your grinds? Or is it something that you think the average person doesn't need to worry about it?
1: I mean, for, you know, for a quick hour ski, you know, unless it's just super uh, like, I mean, really, really mashed potato sloppy uh, kind of conditions, you probably don't need to worry too much about it, um, especially for the average person. Um, If uh, if it's a condition that, you know, you have a big race coming up or a big event that you're you're doing that maybe you need to test some things, then yeah, of course it's going to be viable and it's going to be important to be able to know, you know, what, how certain structures or how certain grinds or how certain profiles of a ski are going to behave in certain conditions. Um, but honestly, you, you know, with, uh, with a lot of the grinds, especially ours in particular, uh, being so versatile for the average skier heading out for an hour ski, uh, it's probably not super, uh, uh. Mandatory? Yeah, it's not. It's not <laughs> mandatory by okay. any means.
0: How about all right? That that no. This is in the, it, what I want to do here is sort of you know give people an honest assessment of hey, you know what? You probably don't need to worry about it here, but this is where you're going to start to maybe see a little returning investment. So same thing, you know. This is we got a good training group. Got people kind of, you know, really on every uh, end of the range in terms of speed and ability. Um, get together once a week for doing intervals. So you're going out with, you know, competitive people, you know, people who race and stuff, super warm day. What about then? Would you think about press, pressing in structure in a day like that where, you know, it's just fun racing, but at this, or fun training, but at the same time you're going hard, you know, no one wants to be the slow guy going up the hill would you, would you spend the the 2 minute to, to press the press so you can drop smelling like I did yesterday um would you uh would you invest and he and he had the nerve afterward to say it's cuz I was on threes uh and he was asking um, my yeah. wax and stuff i know it's like well you know don't you go right don't a, the right don't, bring, condition. don't bring a knife right to a gunfight Exactly. exactly so so uh again you know for someone who you know got a couple pairs but they're into it they're trying to get to know their fleet a little bit would you press in, would you think about you know pressing in a little structure for you know for a, a structured workout even though it's just super casual
1: yeah i mean is you know it, as long as the the structure is not so aggressive that you have to get your skis stone ground to remove it uh then, you know, there are a lot of subtle structures out there that, especially in warmer conditions, can make a really big difference. Um, and really, you know, to Julian's point before, it can really help bring water away from the snow uh, super quick. And so it really reduces the amount of suction between the ski and the moisture in the snow. Um, it can definitely make a difference for sure. Uh, yeah. But, you and know, but at the same time, you, you know, like, you know, like your conversation with Josh is, I mean, if you have the right pair of skis, sometimes maybe you
0: don't need it. Right. Uh, I was beating him just because I'm a better skier, but, um, all right. So, um, any other sort of like, it's really nice that you guys spend so much time on snow. You, you know, talk to so many athletes, you see so many different conditions. Um, you know, uh, Jeff Julian was telling me, apparently you, you were, uh, super sick by athlete, right? You ski, um, all the time testing a whole bunch of different things kind of from an overview perspective what's kind of like we did on the um on the ski discussion uh, you know you guys we closed up with just one or two general pieces of advice i think it's like anything else it's a little bit of a rabbit hole like it it's super fun you can drive yourself crazy if you let it get into your head too much so one of the things that we try and do here is give people Really rational, level-headed advice like, "Hey, the World Cup guys might have seven layers of structure. You don't need that. But if you're going to go out and you know you're going to go out and bang, you know, with the boys and you know there's pride on the line and it's a super wet day, yeah, spend two minutes and press in some structure to help get that water out of your skis." So, kind of in summary overview, can you guys each give us or give the listeners? Just one or two. Like, what are the two biggest things to think about, to worry about, or not worry about for uh, grinds and structure?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's like uh, grind structure as important as the choice of the ski at the end. Uh, so you have, uh, not only to have the right pair of skis for the right condition, but still you have to, uh, to get the right, uh, grind for the right condition. Uh, and of course, if possible, the, the, uh, the most versatile, uh, grind if you can. So for example, RU15 is perfect. So on the S2 and S6 to, to cover right range of snow condition. Yeah. Even from
1: very cold when there's some humidity up to very warm, uh, i know i totally agree i I think another good thing to do if you are lucky enough that you have multiple pairs of skis is ski your skis in all types of conditions because it it'll surprise you when they'll actually run uh there'll be some conditions out there where uh it'll really kind of blow you away where all of a sudden you know i mean it could be a really cold day and but there's tons of humidity in the snow especially if you live in the midwest and you ski on a red base S3 and your skis are just lightning fast. Uh, things like that can really surprise you. So test test your skis in all different kinds of conditions uh, so you really know uh, what's going to work when the best.
0: I, I love that. And I think that's a perfect place to stop um, because that is sort of a nice summary of uh Recommendations we've gotten from a couple different people, people writing in. So I would say unequivocally for people out there, whether you have one pair of skis or a hundred, get to know your fleet. And I think the reason people start to get overwhelmed is they try and throw too much stuff at themselves at once. So just like Jeff said, get out there switch them up maybe make a switch or two don't go crazy but ski your skis get to know your fleet try some different grinds see what runs see what runs near you you know places where you usually ski and get start to get a feel for these these feel good today when you're on a training day there's no pressure you're not trying to get to the start you're not trying to have your you know martin gel 30 minutes before you're not trying to get to the bathroom You've got all the time in the world, and you can really relax and just get a feel for what grind, what structure, what skis are running better. So I just want to kind of summarize Jeff's uh, comment, which I think is excellent, because we hear that time and time again from experts after expert. So um, get to know your fleet. Gentlemen, as always, outstanding advice uh, from uh, two of the best in the business, um, I have with me again today uh, Jeff Corder, the technical product manager for cross-country for uh, Rossignol Worldwide, and Julian Robert, who's the director of research and development for cross-country worldwide for Rossignol. Uh, Jeff, Julian, thank you so much again for all the uh, you know insight, uh, top secret uh, tech tips from the World Cup. And uh, for supporting the podcast, Um, I really should say supporting the website, Um, you know, uh, this, your support goes to fund all the news coverage, um, everything that Gavin does. And uh, God bless the guy. He's uh, in Canmore right now at the World Cup. He's flying to Minnesota. None of that. Well, I shouldn't say that because he was doing it on his own. I don't even know how, but uh, thanks to your support, everyone out there who is getting more accurate race results, more interviews—that's um, happening thanks to the support of uh, of Rosinol and everything you guys are doing. So it's awesome to work with you guys, you know, on a ski and you know, on a ski side, but working with you guys on this information side—not only supporting the podcast, which is obviously near and dear to my heart, but just helping the Nordic community, uh, in particular, in the states where it's sometimes a little bit harder to get information. This is a passion project for all of us, and it wouldn't happen without the support of our industry partners. And you guys are awesome in everything you do. So thanks again for not only coming on the show, but <laughs> making sure that the show happens. It wouldn't happen without you guys. And for all the listeners out there, too. everyone sending in questions. You guys are awesome. Like we We're able to, able to grill these guys. When I get 50 questions on the hand structure, it's like, all right. Guess we're going to ask the boys about some hand structure today. So, um, Jeff, Julian, thanks for coming on the show, and we'll see you out there. Oh, what time is it? Who woke me up?